Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you recall, we started a series, and again, let me say this, uh, uh, in addition to that, last week, uh, my wife and I and my family, we were gone because of my wife's uh, mother having some uh, physical uh, uh, complications. We had to go take care of some personal things out in Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, it's always... Uh, gets rubbed off on you when you get out there, y'all, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you start talking a little bit different, but thank you for everybody that just served so faithfully while we were gone, thank you for those that filled in, I know Matt did an amazing job, and so again, thank you, thank you, thank you for just being a blessing to us, and, and just being the church when we're gone, appreciate you for that, amen. So obviously, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we started a brand new series called Shifting Gears, and I don't know if you can sense it or you can feel it, but there is a shift that is taking place not only in our culture, in the world, but there's a shift that is taking place within the church. And if you recall, we said that there is a move of God that is taking place within the local assembly. God is moving in this hour. And once again, the move of God that is taking place is in the assembly of His church. The Bible says that he will pour out his spirit in the last days on all flesh. And he also says that concerning those people, it's the church or what is called the ecclesia. And it speaks of is as a, a public gathering. So again, we oftentimes say, well, I can be the church. Well, you realize that you as an individual are the church. You are the body of Christ. But there's a difference of being the body of Christ and assembling as the body of Christ. And so he says that I'm coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He says, I'm coming for a people that are regularly, regularly meeting and assembling together. And so in this hour, God is moving in the assembly of his people. And once again, the reason that we know that to, to such a great degree is because there is such opposition for the body of Christ to meet. Why? Because when the body of Christ meets, there is power in numbers. And as I said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so there is a great agenda to cause people to live in fear and to live or succumb to really the, uh, the, ens the ensnarement of control. But God says, I want my people to be free. And there is a shifting of gears, if you will, that is taking place. And if you'll be in the right place at the right time, you'll find that you're at the right place at the right time. Can somebody say amen? Now, if you recall, we started talking about shifting of gears and likened it unto driving a stick shift or a standard transmission vehicle. Some of you maybe have never driven one, but if you've ever driven one, you'll know that there's some things that are necessary in order for you to be able to drive a stiff, stick shift vehicle. You realize it's not just sitting behind the wheel, pushing the gas pedal and going down the road. You've got to engage the clutch. You've got to put it in gear. But obviously, you've got to go through the gears in order to get momentum or travel down the road, right? And so once again, there's a procedure, if you will, or there's a protocol. But there's a couple things that happen when you're driving a vehicle that would really uh, require you to shift gears. First and foremost, if you're traveling down the road, if you're uh, uh, 
moving at any kind of speed going down the road and if there is a vehicle that gets in front of you or a car that pulls out or a deer that comes out in the middle of the road instinctively what you do is you put the clutch in maybe put the brake in and then you start to downshift well why do you downshift because you're looking to slow down right but why do you downshift? Because obviously you saw something out in front of you that was requiring you to make a decision to shift gears, right? So in other words, there was some foresight or something that you were seeing out in front or down the road that was mandating or dictating that you shift gears, right? Slow down. Well, how many of you know that concerning all the things that have been transpiring right now in this hour that we're living. There have some, been some things that have presented themselves in front of us that have caused us to slow down, to shift gears, to downshift, if you will, because of what we've seen out in front of us, right? It has required us to shift gears. But how many of you know that in spite of what we see naturally speaking, God can be in those natural things working behind the scenes? Not that he is the author of them, but it says that God works all things to the good for those that love the Lord. So therefore, the downshifting, God says, listen, I've been waiting for you to slow down. Now there's just been something that has caused you to slow down, and now I can get your attention. Now maybe you're in the position to hear what I've been trying to speak to you. Amen? And then also, again, in the manner of shifting gears, there's the side of slowing down. But if you're shifting gears, the whole purpose or the intent of shifting gears is really to develop momentum, isn't it? You know, if you have a four-speed transmission, you can't start out in fourth gear. You've got to start in first gear, right? And the whole objective is, is that there's somewhere that I want to go. There's a destination. There's a place that I want to be. There is a goal or there's something that I want to achieve. And therefore, I go through the gears. And the more gears that I go through, the quicker that I get there. Right? How many of you know that God's endeavoring for you to get where you need to be quicker than you even desire yourself? But He needs us to shift through some gears. Maybe this is a great time for us where we've had to downshift just long enough to pause and, and, and get perspective to where now we can start shifting through the lower gears and get some momentum. Amen? But now, once again, using that example, if you've ever driven a stick shift, there's some things that just happen instinctively. If you're going through first gear, you'll get the RPMs revving up. And you'll start to feel something in the vehicle. You'll start to sense something. Not only will you sense something, you'll also begin to hear the wind of the motor that is indicating it is time to shift gears. And then once you get the RPMs revved up in second gear, you start to feel the... the, the energy in the vehicle and you begin to hear the sound and if i can i'll give you a demonstration right you're getting the point but listen i want you to hear this there is something that is happening in the body of christ and if you're aware of it you can begin to feel it 
And if you have ears to hear as to what the Spirit of God is saying, you can also hear a sound in the Spirit that God is causing or desiring for us to shift gears because He's desiring for us to get where we're going. Have you been sensing? Have you sensed and felt that there is a shifting in the gears? Have you been able to hear with your spiritual ears God saying, I need you to come up higher. Oh, I desire you to be here. I desire to have intimacy. I desire for you to be in my presence. And therefore, there's a shifting of the gears that need to take place. Amen? If you will, turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. This is a portion of Scripture that you've heard often around here and it's something that's probably familiar to you but Ephesians chapter 1 these are the epistles of Paul and these are specifically prayers that he was praying for the church in Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 17 it says this he says I'm praying for you and I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory. Everybody say glory. He's the Father of glory. Now, if you recall, we said last week or the time that I spoke or began this series, I said that the glory is coming back to the church. What is the glory? The glory is the manifested presence of God. It's actually defined as the weightiness of God, meaning that it's tangible. You can experience, you can feel God's presence when he shows up. And the Bible says that he is the father of glory. And he says, I'm praying that the father of glory, uh, uh, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18 says that the eyes or your spiritual eyes would have understanding and that they would be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory everybody say glory he says what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints so let's stop for a moment he says that there is an inheritance that belongs to the saints there is something that belongs to you and me as children of God. He says, now I'm praying that the God of glory, the Father of glory, would give you spiritual understanding to know not only what your call is, what your purpose is, but what, what this inheritance is that belongs to you. Amen. Now he begins to describe in part what this inheritance is. He goes on to say in verse 19, he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So it says Jesus was raised from the dead and God placed Jesus at his right hand, which signifies a position or place of authority. Now, this is all connected to your inheritance. All right, now, for just a moment, so that we don't have to backtrack, let's just advance for just a moment. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, uh, starting in verse 5, it says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, 
by grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, where is your place? Where is Jesus at? The Bible says that he has been placed or seated at the right hand of the Father. As we've advanced, we saw that God said, you're also seated there. You're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. So what is that place? We said it is a place or a position of authority. And this is part of your inheritance. All right, let's continue to read it. Let's go back up to Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 20. He says that he was seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So did you notice the Bible says this? It says that when you're in Christ, you're seated with Jesus. But then he says, now where Jesus is, he's far above all principalities and powers and might. And it says that he has put all things under his feet. Jesus is the head, we are the body, seated with him in the heavenly places. So that would mean that if all principalities and powers or devils and demons and sickness and disease and poverty and lack are underneath of the feet of Jesus, wouldn't it mean that they're underneath your feet? Because you're seated with him and in him at the right hand of the Father. And this is your inheritance. And Paul says, I'm praying that you have understanding of what belongs to you. Because you're in Christ. All right. Now hold that thinking. Now hear what I'm getting ready to say because I'm not being critical by any means But in the shifting of the gears, God is wanting our thinking to shift, our understanding to shift, our spiritual awareness to shift. All right? Now, I was just in Oklahoma this past uh, week and a half or a week or so, and uh, we're around family members there. And uh, the one family member, he's like, you know, this COVID thing is going crazy. He said, in fact, where we're at right now is probably like the leading, leading outbreak in the nation right now. You know, don't, don't go into town, guys. Don't go into town because it's breaking out. Went down to the granary down at the feed mill down there, and, and everybody's got it. Don't go, down to, don't go downtown because it's breaking out. And then we started talking about the vaccine. He's like, well, you know, praise the Lord. He said, uh, well, he didn't say praise the Lord. <laughs> probably said something else <laughs> but he said he said you know what he says they got that vaccine he said i'm sure enough gonna get that vaccine so i'm gonna get that vaccine because you know i, I just I, i'm of uh, older age and he says i just want to make sure that i'm protected so isn't it interesting that from a natural standpoint and and i'm not being critical against a vaccine don't hear that but i, I find it interesting That as individuals, we hear of a vaccine that is available, and it brings hope. And if I get the vaccine, I probably won't get sick. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Man, I can't wait for the vaccine to get out, because when the vaccine comes, I can 
live life and not have to be fearful anymore. Man, I got, I've got protection. Because actually when they give you the vaccine, they actually give you part of the virus, and therefore it builds up your immune system, right? And as a result of hearing about a vaccine, hope and confidence and assurance and, and, and lightheartedness comes back because there's a vaccine that will give me some protection. You tracking with me? And then there are those that have actually contracted the virus. And because they've contracted the virus, all of a sudden, they're light and easy. It's like, well, I got it. You know, I got through the worst of it. I had it. Now I've got the antibodies in my body. I've built up an immune system, they're saying, that I should be protected. And so, man, I just feel like I've got a new lease on life now because I had it. And now that I had it, I got the antibodies. And now it's in me. And now I can be free from fear. Come on, somebody, you hear what I'm saying? But look at what it says here. If you're in Christ and he's in you, you have an inheritance. And the inheritance that is in you is because of what he did. And he raised you and seated you and placed you at the right hand of the Father. So listen, if a vaccine will give you confidence and security and comfort and peace of mind. Listen, I want you to hear today that not only can a vaccine be in you, but Christ can be in you. And he is the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that Christ in you, hope of glory. In fact, let me read it to you. It says in first, uh, Colossians, rather, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory. Remember, we just read that in Ephesians. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see... There are those that got the virus and said, well, it's in me now. I guess I can be lighthearted now and not have to fear anymore. But all the while, you had something in you. All the while, even when you went into the marketplace, you had something in you. It was the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the hope of glory is God's manifested presence, the weightiness, the glory of who He is dwelling and living on the inside of you. Amen? Now, why are we talking about this? You might be saying, Pastor, you keep going over this, and it seems like we're talking about this week after week. Listen, you are getting the opposite side of the story every single day of your life, day in, day out, hour after hour. Turn on the TV, go to the workplace, turn on the radio. You're hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And this is the hour that we're in that God is saying, I am coming and bringing my glory to the church. And if you'll see what I'm doing, you will be the beacon and the light that people run to because people are looking for answers. Amen. Now, you might say, well, you've been talking about this COVID thing. Listen, Christ in you, Christ in your marriage, hope of glory. Christ in your family, the hope of glory. The word hope is not a wish and a prayer. It means a confident expectation. Oh, praise the Lord. 
Not only do I have Christ in me, Christ is in my family. Christ is in my marriage. You might say, man, my marriage has been dead. My marriage is about on, on, on the butcher block, man. It's about ready to be cut dead right now, and we're going to file papers. No, listen, Christ in you, the confident expectation that God's presence can show up in your marriage. Christ in you can show up in the soundness of your mind. Christ in you can show up in your finances in this hour when it seems like so many people are struggling. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can somebody say amen? amen. Say it's in me. Amen. amen. See, you've been vaccinated already and just didn't realize it. We even ministered on that just a few weeks back. Amen? Amen. All right, let's continue to look at this. Let's turn in our Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and this is an account of Jesus and his disciples. But I want you to hear some things that sound very familiar as to what the Apostle Paul was praying that we would come to know in this hour. And once again, if you recall, we saw last time that in Acts chapter 2 it says that God said he was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That he was going to move amongst his people. And then at the end of that portion of that chapter, it says that all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you realize that God's never just intended it to be all about you and your most wonderful self? God wants you to be such an example of his glory and his goodness that people come and say, I don't know what it is about you. But please help me. Have the joy and the peace that you have. Amen? Does that mean that you're perfect? Oh, no. No, you still go through stuff, but you got the help of the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's look at this here in Luke chapter 10. We'll begin in verse 1, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit for the sake of time. I'm going to read a, a, a good portion of it, but we will bounce a little bit. But it begins in verse 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, or other disciples. See, you always thought that there was just the 12. Oh, no, there was 50, there was the 70, and there was a whole lot more. And so this particular account, he's referencing the 70. He says there were 70 also, and he sent them out two by two to go out before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to go. So let's stop there for a moment. The Bible says that Jesus sent out his followers two by two into cities that he was getting ready to go to. And everywhere that he went, he took the glory. So you think, well, doggone it, how come we're still here looking like we're looking here at GVC? And how come things haven't changed? It's just because he's wanted you to be ready and prepared because he sent you here for such a time as this. He sent you here because He's coming. He sent you here to get things prepared and ready because the glory of God is coming. Amen. And not only is it coming, it's here. And He's just needed us to get into a place where we're ready to cooperate rather than saying, Oh, dear God, it is. I know you don't do none of that, do you? You don't do no whining or complaining. Bless God, I wish you would just be a better husband. Better. We won't go there. Praise the Lord. All right. He says, I'm sending you out. And I'm sending you out to get things ready. 
for when I come. Well, what do you think they're doing when they go there? They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the goodness of God. They're talking about the, the miracles and all the things that Jesus was, has been doing. And therefore, there is an expectation or a hope of glory when Jesus comes. Woo! See, God's getting ready to do some things. It goes on to say, verse 2, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Oh, man, I thought being a Christian it was going to be real easy. I thought when we become a Christian, man, it's just all rays, uh, rainbows and flowers. No, he says when you become a child of God, he says the glory of God is in you. He said, but listen, you're going to be amongst wolves, and they're going to look to devour you. Come on, have you ever felt that way? Do you feel like that right now? Just even the very culture in the news media it feels that way, right? Government's telling you, don't meet as a church. Why? Because wolves are trying to devour the lambs or God's people. So it shouldn't be strange that we see these things that we're experiencing because Jesus says, when I send you out, I'm sending you out to prepare people for the glory. But it's not going to be necessarily easy. Verse 9. He says, now when I send you out, he says, you'll heal the sick and you'll say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Woo! So in other words, in a time like right now, when people are fearful of sickness, oh, what a great opportunity for the body of Christ. that says, oh, I've got the glory in me. I've got an inheritance and that old devil's under my feet. And I'm not afraid of this stinking coronavirus thing. In fact, if you're sick, let me pray for you. Come on. Because he's calling me to be a witness. Amen. It goes on to say in verse 17. After the 70 had went out, after Jesus had told them, the Bible says in verse 17, it says that the 70 returned with joy and saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So get the picture. The 70 go out because of the commission. He says, I've needed you to go out to be my example and get people ready because the glory's coming. But they come back and they're all excited and they're like, whoa, Jesus, you won't believe it. Man, we're praying for people and even the demons are subject to us. Come on, when was the last time that you got together in a powwow and was swapping stories of things that God was doing in and through you? Oh, you think that was a good one? Let me tell you what happened at the bank today. I was in the, in the line, and, and I prayed for the teller, and man, she got healed right there on the spot. And, oh, you think that was awesome? Listen, I was in uh, Kroger's, and when I was in Kroger's, I was standing there, and there was this grumpy old lady that was doing my, and she was just mean, and I just started to love on her. She started to, uh, and God just showed up. Come on. That's the way that it ought to be, and that's the way it was then. And he says, that's, What's upon us right now? You doing okay? Now notice what Jesus says. Verse 17, he says, even the demons are subject to us. Remember the apostle Paul says, hey listen, the demons are under your feet. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's under your feet because you've been seated 
at the right hand of the Father in a place of authority. And verse 18, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven, or like lightning from heaven. Now think about it. Let's put it in the context of the story here. The disciples are coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, yep, I was there. I was there and had a first-hand account. I saw him fall like lightning. He fell from heaven. So in other words, what's he saying to him? He's saying, yeah, you're recognizing that the demons are subject to you? He said, and the reason being is because he was already defeated. And I'm letting you know I had first-hand account. I seen him when he fell. And that's the whole reason why I came, to go to the cross so that you would have total victory over top of them. Amen? Verse 19. He says, now behold, he says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things that uh, hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes, even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. What was Jesus saying? He says, there are those that consider themselves to be wise. They're the doctors. And you realize doctors are in the business of getting people well. And scientists are in the business of getting people well. But how many of you know that science cannot explain the faithfulness of God? Science cannot answer Christ in you, the hope of glory. We'll give you a vaccine because that's all we know. But I can't explain this phenomenon of people receiving miracles. It's just, it, that's all we can do. We can, that's all we can explain it as is. It was a miracle. We don't have answers for it. Why? Because it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? And it says, for those that are wise, that put their trust and confidence in just natural things. He says, God, you've hidden your glory and your presence from them. He said, oh, but for the babes, those that are hungry, those that have desired to know you, he said, you just seem to reveal your presence to them. And then in verse 22, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. It says, you know, except the, uh, no, uh, let me back up here. And no one knows who the Son except the Father and who the Father is except the Son, and the one whom the Son will reveal him. Verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes which see and the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Remember I said that there is a shifting of the gears and there is a sound there is a feeling that, oh, it's just time to shift gears because of what I see and I hear. And Jesus said, there are those that have longed to see and hear what you are seeing and hearing right now, but never saw it. 
The apostles said that concerning us, those that have went before us have longed to see and experience what you and I have in Christ right now. And they are totally jealous because of what we have. Come on. You are in the best place at the right time. This is the right hour for you to be alive because God wants to do something awesome in you. Amen? Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit here. Let's advance to verse 38. Jesus, he ministers to them just a little bit. And he shares some things with them. And actually, a lawyer says to him, how must we inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, well, what have you read? He says, well, what I've read is that you've got to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He says, yep, that's right. So in other words, God, I just want to give my all to you, and I just want all of you. What is the people that see the glory of God? The people that just say, God, I just want to love you. God, I don't even know how to love you, but I just want to love you. God, I want to experience you. I don't know how to experience you, but God, I'm just hungry to experience you. And it says, these are the people that he reveals himself to. Now, in verse 38, it says, now it happened. Now, this is all in the same chapter. So it all can be connected to what Jesus was saying earlier. It says in verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said to her sister called Mary, who who sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to come and help me. And Jesus answered, And said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away. Did you hear what the master said? He said... You've been distracted by many things. You've been consumed with this and with that. And you've done it to try to get my attention at different times. He said, but the one that has come to sit at my feet has chosen the good part. And that which she came to receive shall not be taken away. The hour in which we're living right now is the hour that God is saying, shift gears, slow down, get perspective, because the glory is upon you. I'm wanting to visit you. Will you just come and sit at my feet? Will you allow all the distractions in life to be just set aside? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is more than enough. I said he's more than enough. And God is so longing to reveal himself in this hour. 
I'm telling you, last night as I was finishing up my message and just sharing what I shared with you, man, the presence of God just came and visited me as I was just studying His Word. And so th this morning, I want to do something different as we close this service, is I want to give you the opportunity to step beyond your comfort zone, to come to the feet of Jesus and just get in His presence and allow the glory of God to come and visit you because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Matt was supposed to be in growth track, so I've got a song prepared that we're going to sing together. The worship leader is going to lead us, and you realize that when you are worshiping God, you're looking at the screen, not the actual person up there, so you just pretend that we've got a guest minister here today. But here's what I want you to do. We're going to bring the lights down. And if you feel so inclined to come up to these altars, to kneel down, to stand, to worship together, come on, let's go after Jesus this morning. Let's not be about the agenda of all the much to do today. Well, I got to go here and I got to do that and I got appointments and they're waiting for me. Come on, Jesus is waiting for you this morning right now. The glory of God is wanting to fall in this place. If you'll just avail yourself now once again you might say well it's getting crowded up there I'm a little nervous listen the presence of God is here but you do what you're comfortable doing amen if it's just a matter of moving up a few rows let's give ourselves the opportunity to come to the feet of Jesus this morning will you stand with me ushers will you draw the lights down for me Now, will you just close your eyes and just focus your attention on Jesus right now as they get ready to transition the music for the overhead. Let's go after God's presence in this place. Let's see what He'll do. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.